Hey, beautiful. Welcome to the Rejoicing in Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Vossler, and I am so glad you are here. I'm a mom of nine kids, and I truly believe that motherhood is a great and holy calling. We moms are anointed by the Lord to do a valuable work for the kingdom, raising the next generation of valiant, mighty men and women of God. Rejoicing in motherhood is more than just having fun with our kids, though that's definitely a part of what we want to talk about. But it is reveling in the beauty and the glory of the role God has placed us in as a mother. Every week, you are going to be encouraged, inspired, and equipped to walk out your everyday life with grace and purpose. So come on, let's get started. Welcome to the show today. I'm so glad you're here. I'm really excited for this week and this episode in the Summer of Friends series, 2023. It is my friend, Natalia Drum. Natalia and I have been friends for several years and she's just such a sweetheart. She is a wealth of biblical information. She's a mom, a wife, a seminary student, and she writes incredible Bible studies for women. So I'm really excited for you to get to hear her story, for you to be able to hear from her. She's been on the show before, and I'm going to link that previous episode in the show notes so that you can avail yourself of that as well, because that's going to be a good one to listen to. And then today's is just dynamic. We're going to talk all about how to study the word as a mom. And we're going to talk also about how to involve your children in that and how to use only your Bible to get so much out of the word of God and how to use other fantastic resources to study and how to even know what resources to use. So you're going to find this episode to be uplifting. You're going to be so encouraged and you're going to want to go grab your Bible and dive right in. So let's have some fun with my friend, Natalia Drum. Hi, Natalia. Welcome to the Rejoicing in Motherhood podcast. Thank you for having me back. I'm so excited to be with y'all today. Me too. Um, I was telling you before, but just so everybody knows, the last time you were on, which if you guys haven't heard her episode, we talked a lot about being in the word as a mom. And that is one of y'all's favorite episodes because it consistently is in the top 10 listen to episodes. So if you haven't heard it, I will link it and you guys can go listen to that. But I wanted to have Natalia come back because she's just a rich wealth of Bible knowledge and, (laughs) and just, she's a, she's a normal mom and she's a friend of mine. So I'm so glad she's here. So Natalia, well tell us, so for those who have not yet been introduced to you, would you tell us a little bit about you and your family, whatever you'd like them to know? Yes, absolutely. So I am a mom. I'm a boy mom to three boys. I have a middle school, high school, or an elementary student. So uh, my boys are 10, 12, and 15. And we've kind of covered the entire gamut of toddlers and tantrums to teenagers. And we are navigating the now fun season of motherhood where 
we have a man child who's not yet an adult and no longer a little child. So we're navigating the trenches with y'all. So I'm in the thick of it. And my husband and I have been married 18 years. We run a family business down in Southwest Florida and I homeschool our three boys. And in the midst of all of that, God has called me to some wacky form of ministry in our home. Um, I lead women's Bible studies in our home on Wednesday mornings and have about 40 to 45 ladies who come every week and study God's word. And we just, uh, we just love it and we grow it. And that is really my passion to equip and encourage women to study God's word. And so a few years ago, in the midst of writing books and things, God stopped my story and sent me to seminary. And so I am almost done. I got about two years left at Dallas Theological Seminary. And so my real heartbeat is to get women studying God's word without a seminary degree, because I don't believe you need it. Um, And so if I could filter for people the weeds of theology and Bible exposition and just give them the confidence to dive in, I truly believe, because my life has been changed by this, that if we study God's word and we know who he is, it absolutely transforms everything. Oh, that's so good. And it goes right along with what I was actually thinking about talking with you today about, um, which is studying the word. So we all know as believers, we need to be in the word consistently. It really grows us. It grows our spiritual life. It grows our faith. It grows our relationship with God. And um, can you tell us like, what is the difference between reading and studying? Because I feel yes. like we get that kind of confused and mixed up. We're like, oh, I'm studying, but I'm reading, but I'm reading, but I'm studying. And how, so how is there, what are those, some good definitions for that? And does it even matter if we separate those two things? Okay. I think it definitely matters, but I think it doesn't matter at the same time. Let me explain. Yeah. So as a student of God's word, I can honestly fall into the opposite trap. I could study God's word so much that it becomes textbook and I'm not savoring God's word. And so Mm -hmm. I think definitely as a Christian who, of course, you know, in a, in a season of life where you have matured in the faith, and we're going to talk about this a little bit too, because there's different seasons of our faith journeys. But I think in a season when you have matured in the faith, Paul talks about this, that you were once young Christians and you needed milk, right? You just needed to get in something and you needed to learn something. But over time, you should now be eating meat. You should you should understand the depths and the riches of scripture. And so for those of us who walked in the faith for a little while um, and are hungry for God's word, there definitely is something about studying God's word that is different than just a daily um, devotional or daily quiet time. And so mm-hmm. I, I put this into two categories. For me, I have a reading plan that I go through with my Bible study girls, and we are, we're finishing the book of Psalms. And I use that as my devotional time, like where I sit down on the patio with my coffee and I sit and read God's word to savor his word, to, to hear his voice for that day, or um, to just sit and reflect upon who he is. And then there comes a point where I come to the text to study it. And so when I'm coming to study the text, I'm coming to it with incredible intentionality to investigate it, to question it, to mine the text for wealth and resources. Does does that make sense? So I think I I picture this much like, so say you're going to go out into a field and you just want to go out into the field and you just want to enjoy the beauty of it. And I consider that like quiet devotional time with the Lord. So if I've got my coffee and I'm on the patio and I just open my Bible 
with my reading plan and say, Lord, show me who you are today and what you have for me and the riches of your beauty. It's much like somebody going out into a wildflower field and just looking at it, picking a few flowers, sitting in the beauty of it, soaking in God's goodness. Does that make sense? You can you can commune with the creator in the creation. You can see who he is and you're savoring the beauty of it. Likewise, somebody who's coming to that same field to mine the field for the wealth and the riches of those flowers is going to be very intentional about what they pick up. They're going to come and they're only going to pick certain roses or certain lilies or, you know, whatever kind of flower is out there because they're very intentional about what they're taking and what they're receiving. And so when we come to the text to study, we must come to it with the correct resources, the correct mindset, a humble heart, and a a strong intentionality with the text to say, I know God is going to meet me and I want to see who he is and I want to... Um, explore the text for what he offers me. And so I see savoring and studying as two different things. Not that you don't study when you're in your devotional time and savoring God's goodness, and not that studying God's goodness won't allow you to savor his goodness. Um, But they're often two different uh, perspectives that we take and two different ways of being intentional with the text. Oh, that's a, such a good analogy. What a great way to think about it and kind of break it down. Because we are in that same place. You know, we're in the field, we're in the word, and we're able to just take different things for different different times. Um, talk a little bit about seasons. Oh, yes. So um, I'm in a season where my kids are pretty independent and my kids can start school and we can do the things and I can step into maybe an hour of lectures, or I could, um, you know, really read a book on theology because I kind of have mental capacity at this point in my motherhood or in the season of my life where when I had three little boys under the age of five, two in diapers, I I was nursing 20 hours out of a 24 hour period day (laughs) and spending the other four hours in a constant rotation of like exhaustion and diapers. Um, I did not have the same margin or capacity to do what I'm doing today. And so for me in that season, my depth of study was not intense, but that didn't mean that I wasn't actively looking for the Lord to lead me, guide me, grow me in his word. It just had to look different. And so I think it's okay to say that in seasons of life, things look different, Mm -hmm. um, I remember, I'm of a generation that remembers, we did not used to have version. If you wanted to listen to the Bible in audio, you had to like have 45 discs of CDs. <laughs> Does anybody remember this? Yes, I and, do. <laughs> and so audio teaching was not available. I, I'm of a generation that did not understand what a podcast was, you know? So this was very foreign to have all these methods and resources available to understand God's word. And so... All I had was the text or perhaps a Bethmore Bible study or, you know, yeah. something. And so, or a Lifeway devotional book, I think were the big things back in the day. Um, and so in different seasons of my life, depending on my capacity and margin, being in God's word really meant looking at a devotional. And so sometimes it was a quick quick one. Sometimes it was even meatier, like an Oswald Chambers or a Charles Spurgeon. And so that was the meat that I could handle in that season of life that would give me some rich theology. So I think we have to be, we have to be humble and honest about the seasons that we're in and say, you know what, God, here's what I have capacity for. Would you take it and multiply it in your richness? Mm. 
Because God can do more in five minutes of a humble heart than he could do with five hours of an arrogant student. And so we need to not look at the quantity or the quality of what we're offering and just say, Lord, what is the intention of my heart? If I want to be a student of your word, would you teach me? Would you give me wisdom um, with whatever I offer to you? Oh, yes. So good. Oh, man, I have so many. (laughs) That triggered like so many things I want to say. Um, Go, 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 go. Yeah. (laughs) So one of the things in talking about resources, I was actually thinking about this, you know, having, you know, audio Bible on CD. I was thinking about, so how do we find good study resources? Because I mean, I remember back in the day, in the olden days, walking around the Christian bookstore, like, do those even exist anymore? Oh, a Christian you know? bookstore is yes. my favorite place. That's, my favorite place. You're just like, I need a new Bible study. I want to learn about such, you know, Psalms or I want to, you know, study, see what so-and-so has available. And you just like browse around the shelves and just kind of pick up any random, you know, oh, here, here's a Bible study on this. Let's check this out. And um, it's just so different now with the internet and there are, you know, hundreds, thousands of amazing things out there. And how do we, how do we know what to do, what to use? Well, for sure. I think I remember back to the days of the Christian bookstores and it almost (laughs) felt like anything you bought in that store was safe. It had been vetted for you. Right. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I love podcasting. I'm a podcaster. Um, I love blogs. I'm a blogger. Um, and, and not that somebody has to have letters behind their name. Don't For sure. in any way no. hear that. But I definitely think in the in the information age that we are in, we have a lot of uh, self proclaimed theologians who mean well, but can often lead people astray. And so, if your theology is coming from someplace like YouTube specifically, or what I call Twitter theology, okay. uh, that's not necessarily always safe, right? And so then what happens is as Christians, we can hear all these different voices with all these different theologies and all these different opinions. And we can feel overwhelmed with all this information being thrown at us and say, oh my gosh, I don't know what to believe. They're fighting with each other on their viewpoints. Mm -hmm. So I'm just not going to listen to any of it, right? And so that can be another extreme that can get incredibly dangerous. So I would say when you go to a bookstore or when you're looking on Amazon, right? Because like, that's what we do. There's a couple things that I kind of use to vet a book or vet a Bible study. I look at a couple things like publishers. Mm. So is this book coming from a reputable Christian theologically based publisher? For example, uh, different houses like Moody Publishers or uh, InterVarsity Academics or, you know, specific lines of uh, David C. Cook. I know, for example, they produce a lot of content specifically for churches. Um, DNH Publishers is aligned with Lifeway. So you you have a, a very confident level when you pick up those different publishers that I'm going to get good sound theological teaching. You know, it may not align with everything and every doctrine that I believe, but sure. they're going to have come to the text with good theological editors. And so one thing I look at is like, who who is supporting the books or the the content? Like who's endorsing these specific things? Are they authors or speakers that I have heard or um, are pastors of churches that have uh, reputations for teaching God's word? So definitely look at who's writing something, who's supporting something, what publishing house it comes from. The other thing I have learned in just in seminary in general is just having quality resources. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the Christian sphere, you're going to hear people talk about logos uh Christian software, which is a fantastic resource. 
it comes at a very hefty price tag for their like full packages, but they have some free or cheaper, you know, basic packages for everyday people. And I know they've gotten significantly more affordable. Hmm, good. Um, the other thing I think is there are fantastic free resources available because of the internet. And so websites like uh, Bible Gateway, Bible Study Tools, um, the version Bible app has reading plans and all the different translations available on there. Uh, another one that is one of my favorites as a seminary student even is gotquestions.org. It is a great, great website that answers all manner of kind of questions in very succinct articles that has just been super helpful. And then I teach a Bible class at our homeschool co-op community. And so one of the things that I teach my students is to like, look at the resources on the websites or look at the references. Like, are they trying to, when when you come to a website for like a Bible-based program or commentary are they trying to sway a certain theology or are they just presenting information? Hmm. And any mm-hmm. good resource is going to say, hey, these are the three arguments, let's say, for the end times. And here are the three arguments. These are the three perspectives you can hold. I may hold this perspective as the writer, but I want you to be knowledgeable about all of them so you as the listener can make your opinion. And so anytime you come to a resource that is at least going to give you the gamut of resources and then give you the opportunity to make your own opinion on it is definitely somebody who's not trying to sway you or manipulate your theology, but just giving you information, right? And and it's your responsibility. This is where I get really, really anxious with women. It's our responsibility as women to build our own theology. We need to stop thinking that we have to be fed somebody else's theology. We have everything from the Holy Spirit and in his word and a strong, capable mind to form our own theology. And so um, good resources come from all manner places. You don't have to spend a fortune for them. You can, you know, get a reading plan. You can walk through. Jen Wilkin has great resources, um, just inductive Bible study plans. Etsy has them. I have an entire line of girlfriends in the word books that are meant to like guide you through specific texts without you having to do all of the work of like figuring out where to start, but you do have to do the work of digging into the scripture. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. I I love your resources. You have such amazing Bible studies. You have topical things, right? And then you also have text specific things. Is that correct? Yes. The exegetical verse by verse through the text. Awesome. So good. I I love what you said about how we all need to develop and grow our own theology. And theology is just essentially the study of God, right? Correct. (laughs) Like we hear that word thrown around all the time, you know, theology, theology. And we're like, what does that even mean? It's just studying God. So we have to come, we come to the word, we learn. And I, I was just even thinking like, um, as many amazing resources, commentaries, study tools, there are like, also, let's not forget about the basic, you know, concordance, Bible dictionary, <laughs> some, you Correct. know, some great old fashioned commentaries from like, I mean, I when I was a kid, my dad was a pastor. And so we had all these, you know, commentaries from like Matthew Henry. And, yes. you know, Charles Spurgeon has like a whole Bible worth basically of commentary. And some of those things are just absolute, they will just 
uh, make you think about the word in such a, a new way that you'd never would have thought, oh, wh- why should I look up this? Or, you know, what does this even mean today? And it's yes. amazing how just even some of those old fashioned, like simple tools are so helpful for us to be able to dig in there and then really study God for ourselves and not fully be dependent on everybody else feeding us information, especially Twitter, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I see that all the time. Doesn't, you know, pick your channel, but like, you know, it, it is that, you know, Twitter theology of where you see these cute little sound bites or these cute little, you know, two sentence phrases about something. And you're like, well, actually, <laughs> that sounds nice, but it's not really based in the truth. So Correct. you do have to be really so- careful about that. One of the things that I love when I sit, like, because we talked about, like, savoring God's word and just having quiet time and devotional time, learning who is, and, like, studying God's word. And I think one of the things that I have learned, specifically, even just walking through seminary, and you would think they would throw all these resources at you. And one of the things at DTS that we have really had to learn is how to engage the text without any resource. Mm. And so... Like if you are just starting out and you're like, okay, I want to study God's word and move from just a devotional application in my life to like studying the text, I would say start with the most essential, basic um, study Bible, like life application study Bible. If you want to do NIV, um, the inductive study Bible, if you want to do like a NASB version, or if you like the ESV, I would recommend the ESV study Bible. Get a good study Bible that's just going to give you just a general overview of the text and then get a notebook and a pen and just go slow. And so what I do when I study the text, like for study, is I will read, say I'm studying the book of James. So, you know, five, six chapters. I'll read the whole text in one sitting in one day. Like Mm. I'm going to block out. It really does not take very long. I will read the entire passage, the whole book in one sitting and then walk away. So now I've got this frame of reference of what James says in the entire book. And then the next time I come to study it, I'll listen to the whole book in one sitting, put it on audio, listen, have, this, have the word read to me. Because we have to remember, scripture was originally orally presented. Oh, so there yeah. is a blessing and a richness to reading God's word out loud. And so I will let myself be washed in the word, just hear the word. Then I'll take the text and sometimes I will go online, print it out, double space it, um, and I'll print out the text and then I will highlight or mark, or if you have like a journaling Bible, you can do this in it, mark things that are repeated because they will often repeat, even if not in the same words, the same concepts. So what is the message of the text that I'm studying? Like what is the repetitive message being presented to me? And then I'll go back in and look, okay, this is what the author's is teaching me about the text. Then I'll go back and be like, okay, what do I learn about God in the text? And so I'll go back and say, what, you know, what is it showing me about how God works or how God behaves or what God wants? Because remember the text is about God. It's not about us. It changes us, but it's teaching us about him. So I'll look at the text and say, what is, what is it teaching me about God? What is he doing? What is he saying? What is he trying to explain? And then I'll go back and I'll like anything that I don't understand. Cause there's passages we don't understand. You know, uh, why does, why does Paul tell Timothy to keep women quiet in the church? Or why does, why does he say something to the Corinthians, but then something different to the Ephesians? Well, how is yeah. this contradicting itself? What, I will go back in and say, okay, here are my questions. What am I missing about the culture or the geography or the timeline yeah. of the text? And so then mm-hmm. that's where I'll start to investigate online or in other resources, 
you know, where was Paul when he was writing this letter? Or what was happening in the history of Israel during King Nebuchadnezzar? Or, you know, what was Daniel's culture like in Babylon? And so I'll begin to look at the cultural, political, economic, geographical history of when that text was written. And then I'll go back in and look at it again for a different thing. And so I think that is the example of like how to study the text as opposed to just, you know, a chapter in Proverbs a day, you know, mining some goodness of God's word. But it's, it's one of those things that after I have done all of those things, then I'll come to it with commentaries and I'll say, okay, what did Spurgeon say about this? Or what did Dr. Walvoord say about this? Or, you know, what did, um, Dr. Charles Swindoll say about this life of Joseph or whatever. And then I'll start to take in after I've kind of accumulated my notes and use those commentaries kind of like bumpers is what it's been explained to me as they're like, Mm. you know, when kids go bowling, my kids loved bowling when they were little and they would want to get that bowling ball right in the middle, but they would throw it and it would just like go way off. Right. (laughs) And so commentaries are kind of like those bumper guards So as we're studying the text and building our theology and understanding who God is and what he does, those commentaries kind of act like, okay, wait a minute, maybe this concept that I have is like way out in left field or no, it's something that has like consistently been repeated by theologians for the last 500 years Mm -hmm. that they are also picking up, right? Because the message has a message, like the text tells us something. And so as we are consistently coming to the same thing, we can kind of say, hey, my approach is correct. I, I'm doing this effectively. I'm not coming up with a very wonky theology. Does that right. does that help? Yeah, yeah, that really does. I think that is those are some amazing um yeah, what you said, that was great. <laughs> that was great. Very <laughs> helpful and very practical. And I think there is something really beautiful. I I, I love using resources and I love being able to just get into the word, you know like with a study Bible and just study the word and, and even getting into it and and really digging into it with the Holy spirit. Like, what do you want to show me? Oh <laughs> like, yeah. What did you mean when you said that, you know, and having that, um, just that absolute just you know, insight. Yeah. That insight and connection with the Lord through it. And I think, I think that's, I heard somebody say one time, like if we study the Bible without the Holy spirit, like we're missing out on so much. And so to oh, be yeah. able to just, you know, be like, okay, Lord, here we go. <laughs> and just Show remember like the whole point is we're studying God, you know? Yeah. And like you said, the text is about him. He's showing us things. He's written it to us. And so we don't need to be so caught up into what, you know, what, it ha- if it's about us and how, da, 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 but, but to, sh- to let it speak to us about who God is and show God to us. So, oh, I love that. Thank you so much. This is incredible. Is there anything else before we end that you wanted to share that we didn't get to? Oh, I don't know. I mean, there's always so much. I could talk about this for forever and ever. Oh, I know. I would say, <laughs> I know. And we've talked about this for hours on end, you and I too. Yes. So I would say, you know, just to your listeners, you have you have everything at your resources that you need. There, You're not lacking anything. And I, I find that women tend to have an incredibly low self-confidence when they come to the text. And I don't know if that's just cultural. I don't know if that's because we have an information onslaught in our world and we feel like we need to be experts in everything. So we feel like very insecure, not being an expert. 
But I could study the same text a hundred times and learn a hundred different things. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that the text has changed. It means that God's word is alive and active. Amen. And so he's going to reveal things kind of like peeling back the layers of an onion. He's going to reveal things to me every time I read his word. I don't necessarily like what he reveals because then I have to change, right? Like I have to apply it to my life and change <laughs> the things in my life that I don't like, right? But it doesn't mean that the text has changed. And I think there's a very strong difference between coming to a place where we realize, okay, God is going to reveal something fresh to me, but this is not like what I feel about the text. Because I have been yes. in groups where people come together and you hear a Bible study leader or facilitator say, well, tell me what the text means to you. And it's like, oh, those make me cringe because the text doesn't mean anything to me. It has to be applied to me, which I think is what they want to do in those right. groups. But, but language but matters. <laughs> language matters. The text should not feel anything to me. I should not feel anything because of it. It's what should I learn from it and then apply to my life? And so those applications may change over time as I grow and mature and I'm sanctified in, in the spirit. Yeah. But the text has a meaning and it's our job to figure out the meaning and God gives us everything to do that. And so, man, mamas, you need to be confident that God has put you in your families and in your lives to serve the people in front of you. And he is handing you his word to empower you, to encourage you, to give you wisdom and to draw you into a relationship with him. And if we do that, if we just take God at his word that he is going to faithfully show up when we show up, it changes everything because he does. He takes the little meager offerings that we have, the five minutes or the 50 minutes, and he multiplies that and he grows it exponentially more than we can dream, think, or imagine. And so girls, just dive into God's word today and see what he does. It will literally change your family, change your life, and potentially change the next 10 generations of your family's legacy by the little things that you do today. You will never know the exponential impact of your faithfulness. Oh, friends, are you inspired to get deep into the Word and get to know God like you never have before? Me too. I am so thankful we got to have this conversation today. I'm so glad you got to be a part of it. I just want to give you a blessing before we go. In Jesus' name, I bless you to be filled with hunger and passion for the Word of God. I bless you to be filled with the desire to get into God's Word, that you would understand and recognize the season that you're in, and that you would connect with the Lord exactly where you are. listening to the show today. If you are encouraged or learned something, why don't you share this with a friend? Oh, and another thing. My mom would love to connect with you more on her website, kirstenbossler.com. While you are there, you can sign up for her email list, read her blog, or check out the show notes. Have a great week. See you next time.